Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. Father Shane, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. I got a little bit of flack from one of our most recent episodes that um, we named Sacred Moments because sometimes, I don't know if I've told you this, but sometimes I joke around about um, ladies in the parish who really want to tell Father about their God moments. Uh huh. And God moments usually revolve around, you know, a certain sun ray that, you know, comes through the clouds or a cardinal bird that's seen so my friend said did you really name your podcast sacred moments and i said you know i kind of did it ironically when i sent it to father shane and he just kept it so i hope everybody had some sacred <laughs> moments the past couple of weeks sure not unlike precious moments you know right well we're not endorsing any brands we're not endorsing <laughs> any you know particular movements of spirituality other than we were just highlighting some of the research that's come out when people are trying to define the sacred in very unreligious terms that's correct Okay. And well, thanks for the feedback, everybody. A not-so-sacred moment I'm having right now, Father Shane, is that um, you worked in this chancery building here in Sioux City for a while, mm-hmm. and I think I've mentioned before that it's um, there's either extreme cold or extreme uh, heat that, mm-hmm. that often happens in these offices. Um, coming in here today um, on the first Sunday of Advent, as it is, um, I noticed that the thermostat on the wall said that it's 85 degrees in here right now. So, really? friends, if you hear a little bit of fan going on that I have, it's kind of necessary at this point because it feels like a nursing home in here. So <laughs> I uh, don't hear it through my headphones. I'm glad. But, uh, well, know that it's, uh, it's a little toasty. Um, had to take off the fleece, um, mm-hmm. but we're here, which is good. Father has a shirt on still. He really does as oh, we're recording I, this. Yeah, that's why it's an... <laughs> Audio oh, he's growing only. bananas in his office now in his you know <laughs> subtropical climate. Yeah, it's I, I left a bottle of water on my desk and it was a little Boiling. hot to, to the touch. Yeah, <laughs> so I've made some tea now with that, which is kind of okay. nice. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, praise God for the gift of heat in a December day. It's true. It you is know. cold outside. Let's look at the silver it, light. <laughs> let's look at the sacred moment that's here before us. That's right. What a sacred moment. It really is wonderful. Uh, anything new in? In St. Louis, when do, when do you guys start the Advent Novena? We talked about that tomorrow last night. Oh, tomorrow night we are kicking it off. Um, well, you won't have a, a you won't have to lead that again. No, I won't be leading the choir, um, but um, I will be preaching on the eighth. Oh, um, so we're gonna we're gonna host a reception for neighbors for this nine night Advent Novena, kind of a lessons and carols thing that we've talked about before on this podcast which is a French tradition going back to the Vincentian missionaries who have helped really establish, you know, Kenrick Seminary back in the day. Um, we're also doing adoration one night with uh, lessons and carols with oh. the full benediction, which I think is something new that they're trying this year. That is something new. I hope that works yeah. out well. That's great. Yeah. So Advent is upon us as we record, Father Shane. It is the first Sunday of Advent right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just pointed out to me recently that this is the shortest possible Advent we can have. It is. Um, and I've mentioned before, uh, when I heard this in a recent homily, I kind of got a smirk because I've mentioned before here on the podcast that I enjoy Advent because it's short, <laughs> whereas the long <laughs> well, penitential season of, of Lent... It gets you're a little, in luck. It's a little long for me. this year. Yeah, but the fourth Sunday of Advent will only be 16 hours long um, as we 
shift right into uh, Christmas Eve, right? And the Christmas celebration. Um, however, at the beginning of Advent, I recently went on a uh, little half day Advent retreat for communion and liberation, and it was held around Omaha at Springfield, mm-hmm. Nebraska. I'm at the parish there, St. Joseph, and it concluded with those of us who stayed uh, just attending the evening Saturday night mass. Father Scott Hastings from the Archdiocese of Omaha is the pastor there, and he preached, and at the end of his homily, he said, for those of you who've been to daily mass this week, uh, you'll be hearing this for the second time, but he said, I offered some tips for Advent, and somebody from the daily mass crowd uh, asked that it be preached on Sunday so their whole family could hear it. And I was mm. impressed by these um, five things that I hope we can talk through right now. Okay. And not so much because, I don't know, sometimes you can feel like two priests on a podcast are just kind of, you know, orating and telling people how to live their lives. But I was actually really encouraged and impressed by these five things, and I need all five of these in my life mm-hmm. this Advent. Um, and I'm hoping to kind of incorporate those. And by sharing them with you, Father Shane, our listeners, it's a little bit of accountability um, for allowing this Advent to really be a time of preparation for the celebration of Christmas and the incarnation of Christ among us. Um, So I thought I'd just share these five tips that Father Hastings gave about um, living this short, very concise Advent well. Um, Okay. And yeah, maybe open that up. Um, Friends, we know that we definitely gave an Advent 101 podcast in the past, and we're not just going to keep giving more or less the same topics that come up year after year, but I thought these were really helpful um, that I just heard. Uh, Great. What do you got? All right. Number one, maybe I'll just run through the list, and then we'll kind of break them down. Does that sound good? Sure. All right. Number one is to make some space for silence in your life, additional space for silence. Number two is to go out into nature and experience God's grandeur at this still time of the year, even though it's cold, to go outside and experience God there. Number three, probably the most exciting one, is to, at some point in this Advent season, read, maybe in one sitting or over an amount of time, read the narrative of Christ's birth from the Gospel of Luke out loud in your home claim the gospel in your home of the mm-hmm. birth of Christ, that, that account in the gospels. Number four, not unlike Lent, but to practice some level of restraint so that the feast of Christmas might be celebrated with real feasting. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe not as intense as fasting from something for the entirety of Advent, if you know that might be helpful. That's what they do in the East, in the Byzantine church, but to practice some amount of restraint so that the feasting of Christmas can be a real feast. And lastly, he might have given like six or seven, but the five that I remember well, he said, find someone who is poor, whatever that poverty might be, if it's physical poverty, financial poverty, relation, poverty of relationship, spiritual poverty, mm-hmm. and find some way to love that person in their poverty, right? To mm-hmm. alleviate their poverty in some way. Um, and I thought those were five very helpful things that could be done within a week, that could be done within this month, that could be done each day um, mm-hmm. to really live this season of Advent well. Mm-hmm. I think that's a wonderful summary. So so shout out to Father Hastings of the Archdiocese of Omaha for creating that list. Um, I think those are things that all of us can be held accountable to and need to do not only throughout the three, three weeks of plus one day of Advent this year, 
uh, but just constantly. Uh, I was really struck by his understanding of the need to go out into nature and find stillness and peace. I think that's actually one of the beauties of having um, Advent and Christmas in the stillness of winter. Um, you know, so if I know some people don't handle the cold very well, and uh, this would be different if we have any listeners who are listening to us in the southern hemisphere, because obviously the climate and the seasons are different there. But uh, in the in the stillness of winter, I, I really find the the beauty of winter captivating, not only just for frosted trees and fresh snowfall, but when you go out and try and pray outside, there's no bugs, you know, buzzing around you. Uh, chances are there's probably no chirping birds if they've all migrated south, depending on how far north you live, at least here in, in North America. Um, you know, and, and sound travels, you know, much more crisply and, and cleanly on a cold winter night uh, as the temperature drops. So so there is kind of a an um, audible alertness, if you will, when you go out onto a cold, crisp winter night and try and enter the stillness of that. Um, you know, I, I'm sure some of our listeners are thinking of the still, 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 you know, the Christmas carol, uh, the traditional German Christmas carol, Stille Nacht. All of these things can, you know, remind us of the peacefulness of this season, despite the fact that every time you go into a cafe and a restaurant and a grocery store, they're constantly playing Christmas carols over the, the loudspeaker system. Uh, but in the in the midst of winter, especially connecting with nature, there's a beautiful opportunity to deepen prayer in the stillness of this season. This was also the most uh, notable uh, mm. point that he made. And maybe to connect that with silence, the first one, silence and going into nature. When he said that in this homily, I was kind of immediately kind of shocked in two different ways. I don't think I've considered the stillness of this season of the year. Um, when I think of it, when it's cold and windy, and kind of blustering, and if there's precipitation with snow and everything else, uh, the kind of crunching of tires on the ice and things like that, I didn't immediately think of it as being still. However, as I've been driving around post-harvest season in our diocese, right, and you see the bare fields now, you Mm -hmm. just see a lot of soil that's all over Mm -hmm. the place. Um, I remember my friend from Oklahoma, I brought him to Iowa for the first time in February. <laughs> it was oh. the first time coming to Iowa. It was February and there was the snow. It was one of those moments where there really hadn't been snow for a while. So it's just kind of like a lot of soil, just a lot mm-hmm. of exposed dirt. And I remember he was just like, oh, this is all. It was, it was uh, overcast kind of gray skies uh-huh. and just dirt. And I was like, no, really, it, it gets better than this, I swear. Right. But I realized that, that the hustle and bustle of summer, people going all over the place, going on trips. Um, but even even the hustle and bustle of rural Iowa during harvest that we talked about recently here on the show, that's over. Mm-hmm. And there is a certain stillness of uh, even like work. Um, now, there's more of a hustle and bustle inside, right? As you were saying, going into stores and experiencing that, there, there's kind of a, a hecticness around, around shopping. I had not been like out and about on Good Friday in, not Good Friday rather, but Black Friday, the opposite, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in I've not been out and about on Black Friday in years, probably since high school when we were goofing around going to Walmart at like midnight. Um, my brother was recently married um, on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving in Sioux Falls, and I had some kind of time to kill, and I was trying to find somewhere to eat, and I was in Sioux Falls, and just like how crazy it was uh, in Sioux Falls, like kind of a shopping center for the upper Midwest, the, the mm-hmm. amount of cars, everybody running around. But then I've just noticed, uh, even 
yesterday as I drove back from from Omaha that there is this stillness that's available um, and to allow sometimes we have we I don't know sometimes it feels like for me anyways that silence is this kind of contrived forced experience that we have to kind of muster up but it's interesting to see that um, the seasons and the natural world provides that space for it um, mm-hmm. and it is cold but we're a hearty bunch in the you know Midwest and we Put have on coat. a sweater. We have Suck coats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm sharing this because I know I need to do this, right? And especially as it gets colder, we kind of just fly in our cars from one event to the next. And it doesn't offer a lot of time for recollection. And especially um the recollection that comes with silence that I do a bad job <laughs> at. I've mentioned this before on the show, but when I was at uh Conception Abbey for my college seminary experience, the monks were very adamant that we not celebrate Christmas too early. They were mm-hmm. very adamant that we not have decorations um, mm-hmm. in our rooms or on campus until the last week of Advent when that, um, we've talked about it before, I think, when the O Antiphons, those those verses from Okamakam Emmanuel, when they start coming in the liturgy, um, in the mm-hmm. Liturgy of the Hours, and then during a daily Mass for the Alleluia verse, um, that, that was kind of like the Holy Week of Advent. So we'd turn on some, some lights and stuff on campus. I probably mentioned this before in the past, but one of my friends found a loophole, and he bought a purple Christmas tree um, and called it his Advent tree. And then our workaround okay. is they told us we couldn't sing Christmas carols, so we had a, oh, we had a little um, concert night. Not, not really a concert, but kind of like a sing-along thing. And a number of us rewrote Christmas carols with Advent lyrics. Mm. I think my favorite one was... Um, Instead of uh, Santa Claus is coming to town, it was um, Advent time is coming to town. So it was, the, the verse was, I'm making a wreath, I'm lighting the candles, purple, purple, pink, purple, pink, purple, purple, Advent time is coming to town. College seminarians, what are you going to do? You know, Okay. It was nice. Maybe a distraction before finals? <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> that was... Surely, yeah, lots of energy put into rewriting Christmas yeah. carols, little to no energy put into, you know, slaving over finals, but we made it, we were fine. But what I remember the most from my time in, you know, rural Northwest Missouri at that time of Advent is it did get dark. And it was a shock when we'd go visit friends at Benedictine College or when we'd go into town into St. Joseph or we'd go into town to Maryville to see all the Christmas lights already up because the monastery was so dark, intentionally mm-hmm. so. Um, but then that last week when the Christmas lights came on, having that kind of restraint, having that, um, in some ways, fasting from the feasting that was to come, we, f- we feasted with a, a lot more vigor. And then when we at home, we were always a little shocked by, oh, wait, Christmas lights have already been up for so long. Um, mm-hmm. And I've been back in the, in the world out of seminary now for a few years. It's been funny how, how often that happens. It, you know, we got Christmas trees up before Thanksgiving sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think those first two, silence and going out into nature. Um, and that silence can happen. I know for me, um, it's easy just to fill our time in, in the car, especially with music or with podcasts like this. Um, but the times where silence um, can be incorporated or even the simplicity of praying the rosary as we drive, things like that, that can actually offer a space of silence in our external world so we can actually foster an interior silence. Um mm-hmm. But that, yeah, an evening walk outside in nature to experience God's grandeur. I like those first two, silence and nature. Um, I just want to mention this. The, the one I was most impressed by was to read the scriptures out loud in your home, this mm-hmm. story of salvation and the gospel. And it was funny. Father said, don't be weird. 
<laughs> don't do it around people who might be uncomfortable. Don't invite a bunch of people over to your house and, you know, with a lot of vibrato, proclaim the gospel. You can, I, I guess, if your friends are into that. But just the simplicity of a married couple or even a single person, um, priests, in the quiet of your home, but to to speak, to proclaim the gospel as it was meant to be proclaimed um, mm-hmm. in your home, right, to build up the domestic church and to allow our home to be a place where the incarnation can actually take place, right? If Christ wants to meet us in the flesh, that his words, the truth of the gospel, the delight of his coming among us might be proclaimed that he doesn't only come in the church or in the nativity scenes that are decorated around town, but he comes in our hearts. He wants to come in our home too, so that everything can be touched by his presence and everything can be a place of encounter with him. Um, I just, I just know that especially in the life of the church, we go to daily mass, we hear a lot of the scriptures, but to intentionally sit down and read um, a section of the gospel like that, the first few chapters of that gospel of Luke, um, and to remember all of those stories that we hear, we see in the stained glass of the Annunciation, of the Visitation, of the Nativity, to see those actually contextualized in the story, in the narrative account of the gospel. I actually think there's a, there's a link between proclaiming the gospel of Luke and going back earlier to the silence mm. um, for multiple points of Father Hastings here. When you read the Gospel of Luke, you get the Marian account, you know, the Annunciation with Gabriel coming to her, the Visitation. There's a very strong Marian perspective, you know, in Luke's Gospel. Um, but I think that could, once, you know, you proclaim that and listen to that and meditate on that, in your own prayer, I think that could be an impetus to go back to your earlier point, Father, about entering into silence. How did the Blessed Mother carrying the Christ child in her womb dwell in silence throughout her daily duties of her nine months of pregnancy? Um, As she was, you know, traveling with Joseph to Bethlehem for the census in the days leading up to the birth of the Savior, chances are they weren't just, you know, like, you know, chatting with each other the entire time on the road. How did, how did Mary, you know, presumably riding a donkey in her eight-month pregnancy state, you know, how did she just enter into silence and meditate on God's providence coming as this, bringing about salvation through her in this sacred time for the people of Israel? How did she, how did she meditate on what that's going to mean for the salvation of the world, what that meant for her, and how did she just dwell intimately with Christ living in her? How did she notice the, the beauty of, and the, um, the heroic virtue of Joseph in these moments. I bet there was beautiful moments just in the journey towards Bethlehem that the two of them just entered into silence and were allowing the voice of God to speak to them uh, just in the quiet of this season. Uh, so there might, be a, there might be an advantage to taking that Luke inversion of the Gospels and then bringing that back into the stillness of this season. Yeah, I do think that'd be very helpful. Um, and I think that kind of feeds into this idea of restraint um, of this fourth point that Father Hastings made. Um, obviously, we can have restraint with what we eat, with what we drink, but I think especially today with the media that we consume, and I think it's always wildly ironic when people on podcast or YouTube channels start telling people to stop using the internet as much as they're literally using the internet, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and their media. But I think there's a way and this is always the always the discussion in, in my days in college seminary of, you know, how to use the media for the gospel and not be, you know, kind of, <laughs> uh, to, you know, o- overcome by it, you know, consumed by it. But that that was ten years ago or so, and I just 
I think more and more, yeah, we're just consumed with things um, on our cell phones or Apple watches that are just constantly going. So, and I know in the past when we've talked about days of penance or fasting, um, those ember days that we had in our diocese recently, praying for vocations and for the church, the option being made like, yeah, you can fast from some food. And that's always beneficial in the Christian life. That's always been a practice of the church. But I think today fasting from the noisiness and the distractions of media is helpful, um, especially mm-hmm. as the, yes, as shopping comes and everything else, but also like holiday movies just boom or slamming on all the um, on all the s- streaming sites, right? And it's just mm-hmm. kind of that idea of just staying constantly kind of um, distracted, but actually giving some space. And to sit down and read the scriptures necessitates putting your phone away for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm preaching to myself right now because I know that I need that. The restraint and the discipline that allows space for silence, right? Almost needs to come first. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think then maybe lastly, just to wrap up here, um, a focus on the poor. And and I know for people, this can always seem a little, maybe they feel it's a little on the nose where it's like, oh yeah, Christians have to take care of the poor. And yes, it's good to take care of the poor. And okay, at this time you see the um, the bucket with the Salvation Army, the the bell, and you kind of, you know, don't make eye contact with the lady when you walk into Walmart because you feel a little uncomfortable, you know, or the guy who's on the street corner, thing, something like something like that. But to recognize that Christ took on the poverty of our humanity to save us, um, and recognizing that He does that again and again and again as we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate the incarnation that Christ became poor, that in His poverty we might become rich like through his condescension into our human nature, um, through his salvation, his salvific work um, from the womb to the cross and the tomb. But to pay attention to where poverty is present around us, um, and sometimes it's physical poverty, sometimes it's people panhandling on the street, but I think especially this idea of relational poverty. Um, My great-grandparents were alive for the majority of my life up until college, uh, most of my great grandparents. And I just remember I was grateful that my parents would, my family would often go visit these great grandparents in the nursing home. But there are so many members of our families who are um, infirm or who are in the nursing homes without people who, who don't have visitors. So yeah, we can think of maybe random people or we can maybe go sing some carols in the, in a nursing home or something, but who do we actually know? Like who in our families and our circles are experiencing, um, poverty, mm-hmm. uh, poverty of, yeah, financial poverty. And those of us who are blessed can, can help in those ways, right? Giving Tuesday just happened recently after Thanksgiving. Um, but I think a real attentiveness, the same attentiveness that God had toward us, that he has towards us that led him to so love the world that he'd send his son into our poverty, that we might have that same attentiveness of, of Christ his gaze on the world, right? And to see those who are poor. Good thoughts. Father, I'm just going to encourage you to not play the outro music this time. Um, ah. I think we should just end on silence and let the voices fade out and just let our listeners have a little quiet moment. How's that sound? Why don't you close this with a little prayer? How's that, that sound? That sounds delightful, yes. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Good and gracious God, as we enter this time of Advent and await the coming of Christ in the celebration of Christmas and the coming of Christ at the end of time. We invite Christ in this third coming to come here in our midst, to come and fill our hearts with his presence. Give us the gift of silence, the gift of the beauty of your creation and nature, 
Help us proclaim anew the gospel of our salvation. Give us restraint that we might serve the poor and celebrate the glory of your incarnation at Christmas. We ask this through Christ our Lord.